are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we get you set for Packers and the Bears on Sunday night football, a rivalry spot with a lot on the line for both teams as the Bears try and keep on track. I don't know if on track after what happened in week one in a monsoon, but if they were to win this game, it would be enormous for their season. And if the Packers were to lose it on the flip side, and I think that's the way that we have to frame this, it would be a bright blinking red light. It would be an emergency if that is actually how this all went down. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs. They do all the sports, but we're in college football and pro football season. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So some updates to start you off with on the injury front. Elton Jenkins practiced in full on Friday. Whether or not he plays on Sunday, we'll get to the impact of that on in a second. But Matt LaFleur talks often about players having to prove it. Players having to prove that they are ready to go. And then... Matt LaFleur gives them an opportunity in practice, and you have to, in most cases, especially off long-term injuries, get a full practice in before you're able to get cleared. If you're um, a, a starter and you have a week or two weeks, then I think, you know, th- those, those shorter-term injuries, then I think you can get away with, uh, you know, the, the more limited practice reps and be limited all week and still have a chance to play. But Elton Jenkins going full on a Friday, not a Thursday, not a Wednesday, a Friday, you do that with the idea of, okay, let's see how he progresses. If he wakes up Saturday morning, no issues, he's starting. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be what happens, but I'm saying that is how this tends to work. Him being a full participant is the best sign yet that he is making really good progress. If not this week, I would think almost certainly next week. But I am now to the point where, and I predicted he would play last week. I I am going to issue predictions because I don't know what to believe with these guys right now. But I would think it is even more likely that he plays this week. I'm more confident in believing he will play this week. And I would say it is to the point now that if he doesn't play, like I wasn't surprised when we got the report from Tom Pelissero that he wasn't going to play. I would be surprised if we got the Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon report from Tom Pelissero or Ian Rapport or whoever that he's not going to play. I think that's where we are with Elton Jenkins. That's a really good place to be. It's hard to know what Alan Lazard needs and doesn't need. I would I would think he could go and be limited all week and end up playing. We were told by Matt LaFleur that David Bakhtiari was getting 
11 on 11 team reps, but has still not gotten through a full practice. This is coming in the same week when we found out he's not going to practice three days in a row, even when he's back there out on the field, that that is not a requirement for him to get back out on the field. That doesn't give you the most confidence in his physical health. Uh, it seems like they're going to really push him this season and then see where they stand. And, and this might be, you know, I hate to I hate to do this so early in the season, but this might be his last year as a Green Bay Packer, depending on how this all goes. If he can't prove he can stay healthy at a certain point with the money, like there may just have to be, that just may have to be what it is. And that's that would be brutal. For a million different reasons, he's one of the most beloved players on this team, both as a teammate and by fans. We do expect he will come back this season at some point. We talked about this a little bit last week. But Elton Jenkins' return has all of these tack-on effects. Oh, and I should mention, John Runyon Jr. did practice in a limited capacity on Friday. I would think he is one of those guys that would not have to have a full practice, that assuming he comes out of practice, having you know managed to get, to get through the protocols and all that stuff, that he would play on Sunday, assuming they don't think Zach Tom is just a flat-out better option. Because that is in play here, too. And I want to take you back to last year, where... Royce Newman won the right guard spot outright. Lucas Patrick was the left guard. JRJ was not a starter. And I was screaming about that because I felt like he had earned a starting role and should have continued to be a starter. Lucas Patrick has to play center. I think he gets hurt first, if I'm remembering this correctly. And then Josh Myers, he goes and plays for Josh Myers because, and, and then Runyon Jr. gets to just stick at left guard. Follow that into this season. Lucas Patrick out the door. He's in Chicago now. Still unclear what exactly is going on there because he's not on the injury report, but hasn't been snapping. We heard Lauren Cox on the crossover talk about kind of what a weird situation that is. Um, But they, if Elton Jenkins is back, what that does is give them, and John Runyon Jr. makes it through protocol. It gives them all of their complement of interior offensive linemen. And then you just pick who the best three guys are. So Josh Myers is going to be the center. And then after that, we don't know. But if Elton Jenkins can play at right tackle, now Royce Newman, an option to play at right guard, upgrade. John Runyon, left, let's say he's healthy enough. He plays at left guard. That's that's good. And then maybe you have Zach Tom at, at right guard. Maybe he gets a chance. I would, I would be surprised if he could unseat Royce Newman this early in the season. But what you could also do, and the Packers have shown a willingness to do this, is have Zach Tom rotate in. We saw them do this with Elton Jenkins as early as week two in 2019. He was rotating in and eventually took that job from Lane Taylor because Lane Taylor got hurt. As Bob McGinn always says, injuries have a way of working these sorts of things out. Well, now health, not injuries, are actually putting the Packers in a position where they are having to figure these things out. It's the it's sort of the reverse problem, but offensive linemen, there's going to be injuries. Guys are going to get hurt. You know, at some point, maybe Josh Myers goes down. Maybe you slide out and Jenkins in, into center. Maybe you give Zach Tom a chance at center. They are going to have more players in that interior who are going to be preferred starters. They would prefer Royce Newman be the starting right guard right now. They would prefer John Runyon Jr. be the starting left guard right now. Where does Zach Tom fit in in all this? We're going to see. I do think there is something to take from the Adam Stenovich 
it's going to be a surprise on Sunday. And I don't know, maybe we're grasping at straws here, but David Bakhtiari has been doing these um, insurance ads. They did it in training camp where they, they did a promotion and they brought some people in and it was, it was um, a, a corporate sponsored event, VIP. Well, he released a tweet today with a video saying, now I'm ready to cruise into the regular season. And here's the promotion for, you know, I don't remember the insurance company, no free ads. <laughs> uh, he didn't do that before week one. And he wasn't ready to play. Is that a hint? Is that a hint that he's going to be playing in week one that he posts this now? Look, we have to, we're, we're just getting these little breadcrumbs morsels. I would think no. I would think he needs to have a full participation practice for him to be able to go out there and play. But he's also a multiple time all pro. And this is a game that the Packers absolutely have to win. So would it surprise me if they threw him out there? No, no, it wouldn't. All right, we're going to talk about this matchup specifically coming up. But before we do, let's talk about our friends at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. It's not car rentals. It's different. And it's, in a lot of ways, better. You can book the car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You need to take my car, for example. I like my car. You'd probably like my car, too. And if it was on Turo, you could drive it. Browse a huge selection of vehicles from just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. You can have a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. You just need a car to get from A to B. There's economy cars if you're on a budget. Test drive a new, a new car if you want to just see how it drives and you don't want to deal with the hassle of a dealership and pushy salespeople. Who wants to deal with that? And many Turo hosts can deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms and conditions, and exclusions. Apply, ditch boring rental cars, and find your drive at Turo.com. So I want to talk. We got this question, great name in the chat, Poco Tornado, about Amari Rogers getting snaps. And I, I'm not going to answer the question directly. I, I think... We should, by the way, and I thought he should have when the offense needs a boost the way that it does and certainly did on Sunday. I don't know why you wouldn't just throw him out there and see what he could do. But I thought it was interesting and we didn't get a chance to talk to this, talk about this because we did the crossover. Matt LaFleur talked about being cognizant of playing too much 21 personnel, too much pony with two running backs on the field. And saying, well, we currently only have two running backs on the roster. They could bring up Tyler Goodson from the practice squad, um, Patrick Taylor. They could, they could promote those guys. They could elevate those guys. But until Kylan Hill comes back, they only have two guys right now on the dedicated 53. And so you don't want to wear those guys out. And if you put them both on the field, you're putting extra snaps on a player who, in, in this case, only one of them can get the ball. So you want to you wanna save the mileage on your running backs. And so I guess what Matt LaFleur is saying is, okay, if I put Aaron Jones out there to run jet motion to give the ball to, to A.J. Dillon, I'm putting unnecessary miles on Aaron Jones. So why would I do that? And so it's they're, they're being very choosy about when they decide to actually deploy Pony. This is Poco Tornado's 
question here because, okay, I get that. Put Amari Rogers out there. Even if it's unlikely he's going to get the snaps, put him in the backfield, run the play action, use him as a jet motion man, just get him out there and, and do some of the things that 21 personnel allows you to do to create matchups and, and dictate matchups and get your playmakers the ball in space. There wasn't for me enough of here's just get the ball to one of the guys and let them go do the thing. They did get Romeo Dobbs on a screen. They got him on an end around. They got Christian Watson on an end around. They got uh, Sammy Watkins on a little receiver screen on, on the RPO. I could have, I could have used so much more of that. So much more of that. If you're not getting those completions down the field, you have to be patient and take, take, take the underneath stuff, take the screens, take the, the manufactured receiver touches, they tried one running back screen all day in the red zone. It didn't work. The, the Vikings blew it up. The timing of it was all fakakta, and it didn't work. You there If your offense is having these sort of mechanical issues, then get a player on the field and get, the, get your playmakers the ball in, in simple ways, in ways that doesn't require Aaron Rodgers to read left to right and one to two to three, and have your protection hold up. These are less of a problem if, number one, Alan Lazard is out there, and number two, Alan Jenkins is out there because you're going to get better pass protection. Now, pass protection, in my opinion, not, not the problem, though pressure was a problem. It was really, really, really well-timed pressure. Anytime the Packers had something deep, except for the first play, pressure blew it up and didn't give Aaron Rodgers the chance to set his feet and throw. And there were one or two plays where Rodgers just didn't, Aaron Rodgers just didn't make the right reads, didn't make the right plays. Didn't stand in there with pressure and fire knowing he's going to take his shot. I expect him to play much, 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 much better on Sunday night. It's prime time. It's the Bears. Remember last year, the offense got off to a bit of a slow start. Aaron Rodgers got off to a bit of a slow start. And then Aaron went into Chicago and told an entire fan base, an entire organization, an entire franchise, he owned them. And that he still owns them. And his entire life, he has owned them. And he is absolutely right. If there's a game we're going to get pissed off, locked in Aaron Rodgers, it's this one. And so, okay, I think that's true, but a great way to get your receivers involved is to just get them the ball in space. Christian Watson with the ball in his hand in space is good. Romeo Dobbs, a little less so, but Amari Rodgers is tough to tackle in space. It's why I like seeing A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones out there as receivers. I think there are more manufactured touches to be gotten, to be given, to be received by Aaron Jones. More of that RPO look. I talk, You guys, you know I'm so annoyed at this point that we don't see the that RPO like 10 times a game. Either hand it to A.J. Dillon on inside zone or they, they ran a play action play where they actually had the pulling guard running some sort of lead power something. And it was just play action on this play. 
But I was like, yes, run that, please. That would be awesome to run that RPO where it's either hand the ball to AJ Dillon or throw the quick screen to Aaron Jones. They, they spammed these RPOs last year. Devontae Adams, it's either handoff based on box count or it's throw the bubble to Devontae. Just because Devontae is not in the building doesn't mean you can't just throw that. Now, they tried it with Christian Watson once. The timing was off. He didn't get his head around in time. Part of that is just the growing pains of young receivers and the lack of reps on all of this. But they can do it. And I was watching some Alan Lazar this morning because I, you know, I made some, I made some waves last night when I was just sort of like, you know, without Keenan Allen, I don't think this Chargers pass catching group is really that much better than what Green Bay has. Now, Keenan Allen is a Pro Bowl receiver, and like that's a big difference to say, okay, well, if they don't have their best receiver, because I think Mike Williams is a little overrated. And the rest of that group is just guys. And Austin Eckler is a nice player. I think Aaron Jones is flat out better. And they have A.J. Dillon. I think Big Bob Tunyon is definitely better than Gerald Everett. I don't think he would dog it in the end zone. But I don't blame Everett for that. He was tired. He was asking out of the game, and they went tempo. But Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, would notice that and say, now nah, we're not running that play. My guy's gassed. Alan Lazard, I was watching some of Alan Lazard because I wanted to just like, I'm like, people are sleeping on this guy. People are sleeping on this guy. He's going to have a monster season if he can stay healthy. And so I put together a little group of cutups of what he can do. And what he did so well, and by the way, he, he beat the Bears on this a bunch. Put him out on the slot and let him go to work. Slot fades, slants. They threw, they threw slants to him a ton. Third down, red zone. Put him in the slot. It's a slant. Big body. He's 6'5". He's 225. He's big. He's strong. He can go up and get it. He's basically, he's basically a move tight end. Aaron Rodgers called him one of the best slot receivers in the league. They're gonna, he's going to be in the slot a lot. And it's great if you have Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson out there too because of their speed element getting vertical. And now if you're the safeties, you're worried about the perimeters. You throw transition goes on the outside. Now you've got Alan Lazard in the slot. He can work the middle of the field. Plus, he can push the ball vertically. Slot fades, sail, all kinds of stuff. And let him go win 50-50 balls. He can be such a difference maker in this offense. Now, is he going to play? We don't know. We don't know. I think there's a, there's a good chance he plays. But when he was asked last week what it's going to take for him to play, he said, pray. Okay. We're still not totally clear what the injury was. He seems to be moving, by all accounts, seems to be moving fine. I was talking to another Packers media person who was like, I wonder if it's, he had like stitches. He got, he got stepped on, you know, ankle gets ripped up and, you know, you've got stitches. And so they're trying to be careful with that. Like, this is, you know, speculation, but that would follow that, okay, he can still run and do everything fine, but that if he if it were to get hit, you break the stitches, you do it could be really bad, you know, whatever. We don't know what the situation is, so it's hard to project if he's going to be out there. I think even without him, they can they can get after this this Bears defense, but the Bears defense performed better than I thought it would last week. Part of that is Trey Lance didn't look great. Part of that is it was a monsoon. Part of that is the interior of that 49ers line is real bad. I mean, that really that it's Trent Williams and four guys. And I think even, even as bad as Jake Hansen was last week, 
in pass protection. He was pretty good in the run game. Rice Newman, if he slides in there at right guard, they're not going to be able to get after the Packers the same way that they got after Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is not Aaron Rodgers in terms of his ability to process, to read defenses, to anticipate matchups, and get the ball out. Plus, we don't expect this game to be played in a monsoon. The flip side is also true that the interior of the Chicago Bears offensive line is a problem. They gave a pressure rate over 40% last week to the 49ers. A lot of holding the ball from Justin Fields, which has been an issue for him going back to high school. And there's going to be time for this pass rush. Middle of that offensive line, Sam Mustafer at, at center, Tevin Jenkins at guard, Braxton Jones at left tackle, Tevin, you know, Larry Borm at right tackle. This is not a good offensive line at all. And the Packers have the front to get after it. If they got Cousins for 40%, and they've actually got some NFL players on that offensive line. Brian O'Neill's a good player. Christian Derisaw played a nice game. Garrett Bradbury is a former first-round pick. Ed Ingram, top 100 pick. Like, it's not a good, not a, it's not a great offensive line. It's a f- serviceable offensive line. I don't, I don't know if the Bears is. I think this Packers front can dominate in the trenches. Dominate in the run, in the pass. I think they can just eat up this offensive line. And if that's the case, all you have to do is not give up the big play. This was the problem in, in primetime last year, is they did give up the big play. They gave up the big play. Special teams was a, a disaster. So I think that'll help. But then they gave up two big plays. A Jakeem Grant, where it was just an end around and he did basically a punt return. So no wonder the Packers couldn't cover it. And then there was just bad tackling on a little underneath route where a bear just takes off. Now this secondary looks juiced. Jair Alexander saying, you know, success for us is a shutout. We want to shut these boys out. Um, He also had a great line about, I always think about when times are tough, things could be worse. I could be a Bears fan, which is just chef's kiss. Perfect. Um, And and he wants everyone to be drunk, drinking all day. They want loud. They want fans loud. He said he wants it to be lit. So everyone, please go do your part as responsibly as, as you can, as you can manage it, please. And I think this is this is a bounce back spot for the Packers because if it's not, it, it can get ugly. It can get ugly fast. It can get late early on the 2022 season. All right, before we finish up here, uh, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. You've heard me talk often about Bet Online, right? And that's because they're they're long time. They're good friends of the Locked On Packers podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you're not already betting at Bet Online, why not? This is your continued source for all of your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events, including baseball, boxing, golf, MMA, NBA's right around the corner. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay. I I mentioned this on Twitter. I have this model that I use. And it's a it's a wisdom of crowds model. It's it's a point based model, and it's like ESPN's FPI in that it determines how much difference are there between teams based on points. So how many points would you be favored on a neutral field? How many points better would you be? And my model has this game on a neutral field at a little over nine. 
So that means with home field, it's over 11. And I think if we get game time, it's 10 right now on bet online. If we get to game time and we find out Elton Jenkins and Alan Lazard plays, I think that line goes up. And I think like last week, if we hear they're both out, that line falls to like a touchdown. I like the Packers either way. This defense is going to come out with a different kind of attitude. They got punched in the mouth. Let's see them respond. And I think defensively, you look at the big games last year, they had great plans and they played with their hair on fire. They played with good communication, good discipline. I think that's what we're going to see in this game. I think they're going to make Justin Fields beat them. I I, I think, frankly, the the plan is not going to be that different. It's going to be a lot of quarters. They're going to mix fronts. They're going to mix coverages. They're going to spin safeties. They're going to rush four and they're going to say, Justin Fields, we dare you to beat us. And if he can, you tip your hat. Now, you hope that if he starts doing it, that they can make more adjustments than they did this last time. But frankly, week one, the problem, again, was not that, oh, this isn't this isn't working because the plan is bad. This isn't working because guys don't know where to be. They're not communicating. As long as you do your job, you beat the Bears. So I said this on Thursday. I'm still in that sort of 24. I think it's more like 24-13 now. I do think they can get to more points than that, but without knowing Alan Lazard's status, I think the ceiling on this team right now is in that like 24 without Lazard on the field and with these rookies where they are and with this offensive line where it is. Once everyone gets healthy, yeah, they're going to be able to score 30, 30 plus in these games. Are they going to do it consistently? Probably not. But I also think defensively for as bad a game as they played at times, for as bad as the bad was, for as bad as the, you know, the lows were, they only gave up 23 points. They were really good on third down. They were really good in the red zone. So with, with the really the, the one exception on, on that first drive where they miscommunicated on the Justin Jefferson jet motion. So the Bears are going to stress them and prove that they've fixed those things. But they can do it. We know that they have the talent to be dominant. So I don't think, you know, 19 in a monsoon, one was off a, you know, a crazy play by Justin Fields. Contain him in the pocket, make him read out defenses, and you're gonna he's gonna throw you some like he did last year. And that was how the Packers got back in that game. Don't give up the explosives like the Packers did in that game. I think the defense is gonna have something to prove in this game, and the offense is gonna be good enough. 24-13 Packers win, Packers cover, and we get to spend one less week worrying about what comes next for the Green Bay Packers. All right, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.